Welcome to the Bear Ventures Podcast. In this show, Bear Ventures founder Samir Vig explores the venture capital ecosystem through engaging with founders, fund managers, and investors. Here's your host, Samir Vig. Welcome to this episode of the Bear Ventures Podcast, where we open the book on venture capital and give you a seat at the table. My name is Samir Vig, your host for the episode, and joining me is none other than David Goldberg, General Partner at Alpaca VC, where, among other things, uh, he focuses extensively on the world of Web3 and all things on it. So, uh, David, it's good to have you on today. It's good to be here. Good to see you, Samir. Yeah, likewise. It is a topic that has come up more than anything in the in the DMs, as they call them, and comments that I've gotten from other podcasts. Uh, even though the other podcast has nothing to do with Web3 or NFTs or the metaverse or crypto, this is what people want to hear about. So I figured you were the guy to go to. You've actually relocated to Miami as well, uh, one of the epicenters of it all. So I uh, look forward to discussing with you. Likewise, should be fun. Yeah. So b- before we kick off on the fun stuff, I want to cover the other fun stuff, which is a bit about your background uh, and the fund Alpaca VC. Uh, you guys have been around for many years now. I've had the pleasure of learning about it, but would love to have you share more with, with those listening. Sure. Um, and so I, I had a bit of an untraditional path into venture. Um, I spent my post-college years in two completely different industries. I was a practicing lawyer, first a assistant district attorney in Brooklyn before falling back on my MBA, spending a couple of years at Merrill Lynch, then at Jeffries. From there, the startup itch, as they call it, just got a bit too potent to, to scratch here. So I left that to create uh, a startup called Freshneck.com. Freshneck was an early sharing economy company in the men's fashion space. So similar to what Rent the Runway does with their unlimited program, you know, we had a membership program where mostly men could uh, rent and trade accessories, everything from formal wear, ties and bow ties and pocket squares down to sunglasses, jewelry, and watches. I built that company for about three and a half years before selling it successfully in 2013. At that point, came away with some operating expertise and knowledge, a pretty deep network, and most importantly, a passion of where I was was meant to spend the next couple of decades of my life. Didn't really have the stomach to go right back to the well of, of building a startup. Uh, I got married over the time and it, it, it takes a toll on you. I was fortunate enough to meet my now founding partner, Ryan Friedman, who was a exponentially more successful entrepreneur. And we aligned on our experiences as first-time founders and the relationships we had with our investors and ultimately decided to create what is now Alpaca. This was about eight years ago. The goal was to be the by founders, for founders, partners that were really there with you on day zero. So replace or complement friends and family, angel accelerator capital in what we consider the formative years. You know, like a human, those first 12 to 24 months are all about DNA and culture and team building. And if you don't get that right, it can have some real long-term consequences. And so we got together, we built out a five-year plan. We are now on year eight of that five-year plan. <laughs> that's always a good sign when you go past that forecast. And that's great to hear. And I met you guys back when the focus was more prop tech and marketplaces. And one of the newer focuses now, you know, Web3, the metaverse, all things blockchain and crypto, the piping for it. So uh, just to kick things off, you know, there's a lot to cover and it's impossible to do it in, in just one recording. But I wanted to start high level as, as everyone's not really on the same page and, and talk first about, you know, Web3 
it means very different things to many people, if not everybody. You've got the believers and the non-believers. You know, it reminds many of the earlier days of, of the internet. So, you know, in, in your own words, could you share, you know, what Web3 means to you today and in the future? Sure. And I, I'm going to try to keep it sort of as, as simple and streamlined yeah. as possible. <laughs> this right. can go down, down many deep rabbit holes. I'd say at its base layer, to me, Web3 is around one, blockchain technology, right? Powering everything. And two, decentralized organizations and power structures, which create new business models and new incentives for both users as well as creators. Yeah. And, and you know, for, for those that are in the space, you know, that's what some will see as, you know, what other calls DAOs. Um, but the idea that these organizations can run out of the road on the blockchain without outside you know, interaction, unless there's a vote on something. And, and so when, when you look at Web3, where are we today? You know, we're still very much in the early innings, but you're seeing more investment dollars than ever pour into the space. You're seeing more innovation than ever pour into the space, even just by a, a simple you know, online search count. Uh, the growth is astronomical. And, but where is the technology today? I'd say the technology is probably, you know, I'll use the baseball analogy. We're probably in like the fourth or fifth inning. The use cases, the ecosystem and everything around it is maybe in the second inning, right? You know, we're in that point right now where you are building out real infrastructure. We're building out ways to scale, but you're still seeing only like the earliest use cases that we will likely look back on one day and be like, I don't know what we were doing or why we were doing it. It's more experimental to get people familiar with the technology. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. And, and and looking at the you know technology in general and seeing that we're in you know what you called the second inning, you know, there's a lot of work that needs to go in to really push us to the next level. Uh, you know, you, among many others, are focused on really the piping of this to drive that growth. You know, can you share more about where your focus is as an investor on the space and, and what you're excited about? Sure. And if okay, I'll, I'll back up a little bit and just talk a little bit about our process and how I got to these areas of interest. And so you know, at Alpaca, we are research-driven thematic investors, right? So over eight years, we've invested in probably 75 companies. If you look from a bird's eye view, it probably looks like we're extreme generalists investing in anything and everything that comes across. The reality of how that happens is we identify trends in a market with a clear catalyst for growth in the future that then ties to our expertise, our networks, or a unique insight that we have. And candidly, I, I kind of missed the first wave of blockchain and cryptocurrencies, right? I, I dabbled a little bit as an individual, but we did not invest heavily in the infrastructure because we felt that we were a little late to the game and on the outsides. It almost felt like you either had to jump headfirst into the deep end of the pool, or you weren't well-equipped. When the second wave came along and sort of Web 3.0 and, and NFTs and that infrastructure, I did not want to make that mistake again. And so I combined that process with this thought, and I did a what we brand internally as a field study, first into a sort of macro strategy around NFTs, Web 3, and their infrastructure to identify all the potential areas of investment. And this is everything from digital art and collectibles, creator tools, DeFi finance, the metaverse and virtual real estate, gaming, and a couple of others. 
and then build out some opinions and frameworks and then decide where are we going to go really, really deep into a couple of those sectors. Mm -hmm. And so putting it together at a high level, what we are most interested in, one is infrastructure, right? What are the pipes that if this entire space grows and scales, there will be natural winners of the pipes, even if we can't identify some of those specific applications. And then two, we are we are investing in a couple of those consumer-facing applications as we actually believe that those areas, for example, gaming, will actually be the on-ramps into the broader ecosystem of Web3. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes complete sense. And it is tough to you know, identify what will be the best end use case. Um, you know, it's like many used to say about the early days of gaming investing, right? It was very hit-based um, and there was a lot out there. But if you had the underlying technology in the portfolio, it was, a, you know, for, for many, a, a better way to play and win. Um, and, and so when you look at these use cases, you, you've used the word use cases several time and times, and that's what the you know naysayers of technology will also often say is you know on the other side of it you know what are the use cases so you know could you share a bit about your views on you, you shared some of the topics but you know what do you think the more near term uh, use cases of this are now you mentioned gaming but you know what else is is, is being in development yeah, is it is it helpful I'm I'm happy to walk through I think we've now made four investments in this space each one coming from a, a slightly different sector that represents a different use case and then we can either talk deeper about any of them, or at least see kind of the example. Because I feel like when you talk about it at like this yeah. high <laughs> ephemeral level, it, it kind of gets into a little, almost of like a preachy, uh, I'm going to try my best to avoid that. Yeah, um, yeah. no, no, I, I real cases are, are perfect. I didn't know if you were comfortable sharing those. I wasn't going to ask. Yeah, I, I can at least share the public ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. you know, going back to that field study that we did, a couple of the areas that we were most excited about. So one was the metaverse and virtual real estate, right? Believing that there is this almost secondary digital world that we will all quote unquote live in or participate in and socialize in. It's almost the next version of a Facebook or a traditional social network, but with a little bit more um, user activity and ownership. If you're familiar with like Ready Player One, well, the book or the movie, right? I think that's a bit of a, a sensationalized version, but but of the metaverse. And so we made an investment. Uh, our play in that space was through the sandbox, um, which is probably the the leading metaverse uh, out there. Mm-hmm. Two was B two B on ramps, right? How do you get? How do you move from crypto enthusiasts and individuals who understand the space to bringing on the masses? And one of those ways is through traditional. Fortune 500 or e-commerce companies who have these incredibly loyal built-in communities. And so we made an investment in a company called Rare Circles that is going to provide all of the turnkey technology. Think of something like a Squarespace, a lightly customizable, templatized tool to allow those companies who are not crypto native and their users are not crypto native to provide sort of crypto light versions to get them and build the bridge into this new world. So we're excited about that one. Third uh, is a company that was actually announced today, so I can now share it, but we invested in a company called Upstream. Uh, Upstream started off as a sort of Web2 community tool taking on LinkedIn um, and has now moved into Web3 with their DAO in a box tool, right? So DAOs are decentralized autonomous organizations often used 
in a financial sense to either invest together or buy something together, run some type of organization. So Upstream creates a single service tool where you can legally form, bring on new members, contribute ETH or, or whatever your cryptocurrency is, do all of the voting and the governance. They connect with your wallets. So it's really a one-stop shop for all DAO formation and management. And then the fourth one is in the gaming space. It's a company that we incubated. It's a strategy sports game. It has not yet announced yet. So I can't talk too much more about that one. Oh, fair enough. And, and your last example of Upstream, I was actually reading about the company this morning. So it's exciting you guys are in it. Congrats. Yeah, uh, that is the kind of example that will get larger mass scale adoption through the enterprise. And, and so, you know, when we talked about piping before, that is very much so what we were referring to. And, and it's it's great that you're you're backing companies like that. Yeah, I was gonna say, even if you think about like that sub-vertical of DAOs, how many different use cases we've already started to see there, right? On one hand, you have DAOs being formed to try to buy the constitution. Right. Others you have, and a buddy of mine created LinksDAO, which is to buy and create sort of the Web3 version of the modern golf country club and anything that comes along with it. Then you have content sharing communities all the way through what we would call traditional fund structures or investment clubs. We're still scratching the surface and think there's there's a ton of room and the use cases we see there again, you know, six months, a year, two years out there, I think will start blowing us away. And, and there's the ability to do it into parts of the organization, right? It doesn't need to be, you know, it takes over, for example, an existing enterprise overnight. Uh, you know, it, it could be a slower gradual adoption, but, but that makes complete sense. It, um, it does. And I, you're hitting on a topic that will probably need a whole kind of, <laughs> which is like this trend that everything is happening in extremes. And like, you either believe that everything in the world is decentralized or like, there's no use cases. The reality is nobody's right. You're both right. It's somewhere in between. And it's all about really figuring out where does this make sense and, and how to execute it properly. I think that's exactly right. And I think most people that look at the space from the outside only see the extremes. It's, you know, the commentary and the articles and the excitement around the pros and then the exact same around the cons. Um, not really anybody is talking about that that middle piece of it where, you know, it can coexist together uh, in a way that makes sense and harmony. But, um, you know, that, that, that's what we're here for, right, David? That's what we're doing totally. here. And, and I think, right, there's there's folks like you and I who were not really crypto OGs or maximalists who came from all different types of businesses and models in Web 2, whereas the early days of Web 3 were those OG crypto folks who came with this point of view. Now that you start bringing in the masses and people who have experienced both of those worlds, hopefully we can sort of meet in the middle, if you will. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And, and I want to take a moment to talk about the metaverse. And it's something that you mentioned in, in your first example of the company that you guys invested into. You know, when you look at the metaverse, it's for many, you know, the front end of Web3, right? It's it's to them the most exciting piece of, of what's happening because they can, you know, not really touch it, but they can they can see and, and they can sense and, and they can really, you know, believe that they're in you know, whatever metaverse they take part in, but, but you know, they can fully encompass themselves and, and, and be a part of that now. And to them, it's also a use case for, you know, things like their cryptocurrencies and, and other objects. But, you know, what do you view as 
you know, the, the long term of that, you know, some people now are saying, well, you know, everyone's just going to, you know, throw together these, you know, different metaverses, uh, you know, it's really an asset value based on supply and demand, but you know, what happens when there's no longer the demand piece there, you know, how do you sustain such an astronomical growth of, of asset prices within the metaverse, for example, you know, what, what is your view on that generally? Yeah. I think simple economics 101 and supply and demand will tell you that that's not going to work out well, right? If there's continued supply growth and not enough demand, we'll see a lot of these siloed metaverses go away. I mean, I've probably been pitched or have seen as part of projects 30 to 40 siloed metaverses, right? Where you're not a platform across different projects, different chains and stuff like that. I'm more excited about the platform approach, right? Where you're bringing in different people, different communities, different projects as part of that. The only way that this works, in my opinion, is if you really become like a full-fledged ecosystem, right? Where you have people playing different roles. You have creators, you have people there who are spectators, you have contributors, right? In the same way that takes social networks, right? Like Twitter doesn't work if nobody wants to produce content or if everybody just wants to produce content and nobody wants to engage with it or learn from it, right? So you need this circular economy happening inside of these to be able to make it all work. Otherwise, you're really looking at like a a speculative type asset. But I I see it where there are jobs created, right? And and that becomes special because in a semi-anonymous decentralized world like a metaverse, a lot of the issues that plague our world, whether it's around you know uh, equality and inclusion or access, right? If you are in a second or third world country right now, like you don't have access to the same jobs that mm-hmm. you know people like you and I do right now. But once this happens in the metaverse, that starts to even out a little bit. You're starting to see glimpses of that with play to earn games like Axie Infinity and people earning like above minimum wage daily wages out in some Southeast Asian countries, and I think that's it needs to be tweaked and there's lessons to be learned there, but I think that's what the future holds. Yeah. Now, you know, it's, it's something, it's space that I'm also admittedly newer to. And, and I think I mentioned to you in our last discussion together, um, but it's, it's definitely, you know, a headline catcher, right? You'll, you'll see, I think Travis Scott did a concert and then you'll see all these NFTs that you can now use as, as skins in the games. But the, the use case that you're talking about is, is a lot more tangible and, and, and meaningful to a lot more people. Um, so that, that's, that's great to see. It, it took me a minute, I think, to get really comfortable, right, with this concept of we're all going to live behind these avatars in a digital world, like we're in the Matrix or Ready Player One. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little old school. I'm 40. I have kids. Like even some of the social networks are a little bit much for me. But starting to see the actual behaviors of one, other countries, right? And and how they are adopting this way earlier. And then two, the behaviors of the younger generations, you know, Gen Z, and even like my five-year-old is now living inside Roblox, which which in a way is its own little metaverse now. Unfortunately, as a Web2 version of it, she actually can't own anything. And it's just my credit card that's keep getting dinged there. That's a you problem. (laughs) Exactly. You can start to see the behaviors that can lead to that future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree. And one of the questions I, I want to make sure I ask before I forget uh, is somebody actually asked me, and, and I didn't have the answer to it, you know, full disclosure was 
for those that are not part of the ecosystem and are excited about the space, how do you get involved in, you know, a metaverse project, for example, right? How do you even start that process? There's so many options out there. If you were to Google it, you will get lost. You know, how do you buy into that space? How do you contribute to that space? Um, you know, it, it is a very complicated topic for a lot of people. I think you can broaden that same question out and just replace metaverse to anything Web3 or crypto, right? There is definitely an issue of friction, intimidation, and on-ramping. And so the, the advice I typically give is do two things. One, just absorb and learn, right? Join a couple communities and communities can mean actual projects and discord, or it can mean a text message group with seven or eight of your peers who can just all learn together and help each other out. Two, just get involved, right? And try and do it in like a safe, low friction, low cost way, right? Join one of these companies, run around in the metaverse, learn, go back to your peer group with your learnings and their learnings. What's nice is a lot of these larger companies like Sandbox have tools and integrations where you can onboard in a pretty frictionless way, right? So for example, you don't need to set up a decentralized wallet like MetaMask to join Sandbox. They have integrations with companies like Venly who allow you to log in and create a wallet or an account with your Gmail account or your Instagram or Twitter account. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And, and so, you know, not to spend all of our time in the metaverse, but if I shift focus a little bit to, I guess, something tied to the metaverse, but, you know, the world of NFTs, uh, another hot topic of <laughs> whatever it's talking about nowadays. And, and I know you've been very active in the space as well. You know, what is your take on the, the general market of NFTs when those uh, in the space of, you know, investing and creating them uh, are then compared to, you know, traditional collectibles and, and art and things like gold, you know, what is your argument for something like an NFT? Now, again, it goes back to the discussion of supply and demand, um, but, you know, curious your take on, you know, what would your response to be to, to the critics of it? Yeah, I think, NFTs was almost that simplest, most tangible use case, as we talked about before, mm -hmm. that blockchain enthusiasts sort of used to bring on the masses who could understand things like trading cards, collectibles, and art, right? And, and I don't think this is sustainable, Right. You know, this is the basic supply and demand conversation that we just had. And because so many people are getting onboarded to crypto and NFTs, you're seeing this incredible growth that fuels the flywheel of once people make money and a lot of it very quickly, they go and they buy a lot more, increasing demand. They refer their friends, look how much money I made. And, and the flywheel continues. At some point, that is not going to be sustainable. And we're going to look back a couple of years and say, you know, you were spending a couple of hours buying, you know, JPEGs of cartoon animals. And, and maybe that was not, you know, the most prudent use of time and money in the way that we probably look back at, you know, when I was a kid, I think it was Beanie Babies or milk ads or stickers or baseball cards, most of which today are pretty useless. However, through that mechanism of these JPEGs, you're already starting to see kind of the early creation of some of the utility layers on top of it, right? Whether it's giving you access to other digital products, to other events, you're seeing some of the DeFi finance tools being brought in with staking and with lending. 
And so I think the NFTs will wind up being almost the tool to the ultimate thing itself than the NFTs being the thing itself, if that makes sense. Now, I don't know what that ultimate thing is. It's going to be music and songs and fashion and concert tickets and and, and art and a whole bunch of other fun stuff. How and when that actually plays out, you know, I think we're all just going to have to wait and see. Yeah, if if you did, I'd be uh, moving to <laughs> you with you. And uh, <laughs> I think my guess is every now and then. Oh, yeah, exactly. And and you know, I want to just point out the word you mentioned when talking about the metaverse was community. Uh, and, and oftentimes for these NFT projects, it's it's very much the same thing. You mentioned some of the the, the projects you're involved with, where you know it is a community. Uh, you will actually meet with folks that are part of that community of NFTs. You know, you will have different discussions around various topics. Um, you know. I see the emergence of that continuing to grow. You know, right now it's still the early stages, but I, I think community will, in my view, ultimately drive the winners versus the knots of you know who will win out to really retain value and importance in that market. But again, you know, t- times to tell, and, and I'll be following your lead, David. So don't don't keep me out of the loop. <laughs> I will I will do my best. Just none of this is financial advice. I got to put that uh, disclosure out everywhere I go. There, there, there you go. We, we should have done that one at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. So, uh, you know, my, my, my last question generally, you know, on, on the topic, uh, before I let you go is, you know, looking at, um, you know, being a founder in the space, you know, what do you view as, um, you know, the, the, the important attributes of, of you know, what you look for when investing in a company, because there's so many different projects coming up. A lot of people will, inevitably and are looking for funding, you know, what is your advice to them around, you know, best ways to differentiate and what it is that you look for uh, in the space or investments? I think it's a little harder to be a web three founder than a web two founder, right? It, you, you need all of those same skills and attributes as a founder, right? You need to know your domain and know your customer and you need to have all those personality traits of of grit and integrity and be able to inspire, you know, customers and team members to join you. But now there's this whole other world that you need to really understand and know the lingo and know the network to be able to hire from there. So I think the advice that I would give is like zoom out, right? Like we are at this point in time right now, the money is flowing, the space is very hot and it's kind of easy quote unquote to just kind of launch something and raise some money. But make sure that this is where your passion lies. Make sure that you're well-suited for it. And make sure that you have either some kind of edge or a unique insight where after you go raise a couple million dollars like to get out of the gate, that there is something years down the line that's actually really important and valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, unfortunately, in an episode like this, there's only so much we could cover and we could really only scratch the surface of of you know, not even all the topics related to the space. Uh, it really would require, you know, one of those 10-part Netflix series to, <laughs> to cover something in depth. But uh, David, I, I appreciate your time and, you know, not only sharing your view on you personally, but also what the fund is looking at um, and, you know, kind of answering some of the questions around the space for really a topic that there's way too much resource for. I, I think almost, you know, <laughs> there, there's a, a huge data dump online and it's extremely difficult to navigate uh, and I'm sure after this gets posted, there will be a lot of commentary or questions around, you know, specific things you've talked about. But um, I, I appreciate you you dialing in with us today. Uh, for those of you listening, thank you for joining and listening. 
Uh, please do follow me on uh, LinkedIn, Samir Vague or BearVC, B-A-R-E-V-C. Uh, additionally, you can visit bearvc.com, B-A-R-E-V-C.com to get updates of new episodes that come out. Until next time, take care. Thanks for having me. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Bear Ventures podcast. To learn more about Bear Ventures, visit www.bearvc.com.